broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number three of the show. My man Damon is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We have Adam Hill from the RJ and ESPN Las Vegas. He was covering the XFL draft and, of course, covers the Raiders like a glove. He'll join us at 430. But right now on the phone lines from the ringer, formerly from Pro Football Focus, is our guy Austin Gale. And, Austin, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And I know in the summertime when we were talking about the Raiders and we were talking about the acquisitions and what they were going to do this season, uh, I know you were one that was a little skeptical on how good this team really could be. I believe they were going to be a double-digit team, a double-digit win team, and a playoff team. And I remember you being a little skeptical about it. Well, here we are going into Week 11. They got two wins on the season, and they're 31st right now in your power rankings on your Ringer podcast. What what seems to, or how surprised are you that the Raiders are struggling like they are right now? I mean, you have to be somewhat surprised, right? Even though I was skeptical that they'd be a double-digit win team or they'd be a postseason team after going last year 7-2 and two in one-score games. That's always a big regression point when you're looking at sharp betters in the offseason, looking to bet futures markets. It's like, okay, those are bound to regress. Teams that win or overperform in one-score situations are bound to regress. Now, did I expect them to be 0-5, 0-6? In one score games this year, no. Like <laughs> right. losing that many is hard to do. That's bound for regression, right? Losing that many one score games is bound for positive regression. You're not supposed to lose, you know, give up 16 points in a fourth quarter to go to overtime with the Arizona Cardinals and lose on a fumble return, right? Like that's not supposed to happen. That's the ball's going to bounce your way more often than it doesn't in those situations. However, what what isn't surprising is the offensive line is still terrible. We said that going into this year, and it's mm-hmm. still one of the worst in the NFL. The defense is still one of the worst in the NFL. It's not the worst in the NFL over the last five weeks. And none of that is surprising, right? They dumped Trayvon Mullen, a starting quarterback for the team last year. They moved on from a handful of other players at off-ball linebacker and interior defensive line. And here's what we have, right? Chandler Jones has not lived up to expectation. He's one of the lowest-ranked pass, pass rushers and pass rush win rate, according to ESPN and PFF. Max Crosby has been phenomenal, but for, but for what? The secondary right. can't cover anybody. You're getting constant pressure. You're not. You're, you're getting only pressure from one guy. You have to blitz to create pressure. That's not what Patrick Graham necessarily wants to do. And then offensively, it's the high leverage situation. This team cannot win on third and fourth downs, and they cannot win in the red zone. That is a reflection of coaching. That is a reflection of not having packages good enough to win in those special high leverage situations. They call them high leverage for a reason. You have to win on third downs in this league, and you have to win in the red zone. And if you aren't, like the Denver Broncos are, like the Raiders are, the Buccaneers, you're not going to score as much points as you should be as, as a obviously very talented offense with Jacobs, Carr, Adams, etc. So I worry about this team's long-term prospects. This season has drastically, drastically fallen below expectations. Austin Gales, our guest here, here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Sticking with the defensive side of things, I started the show talking about the defense and looking back at Patrick Graham's former units with the Giants and also the Dolphins. The one thing that they did really well was create turnovers and get sacked 
sacks. And obviously the Raiders this year have not done either one very well. Like you mentioned, Max Crosby is balling, but that's it, right? Nobody else is stepping up to the plate. Do you think it's just as uh, – I don't want to say simple. There's no simple solution, but do you think it's a matter of just getting the guys that he needs to be able to, to impl- Im- implement his system the way he wants? Yeah, I mean, the defense just doesn't have any talent, right? I, I, I mean, the two – I think if you ask the average NFL fan who the starting quarterbacks are for the Raiders, I don't know if they'd be able to tell you, right? right. Like, it's, a different, it's a different player every single week in what is – what every beat writer is rightfully saying, a very complex defense, right? That is hard to pick up at outside corner, hard to pick up when you have a merry-go-round of off-ball linebackers. Blake Martinez leads the team in tackles against Jaguars and then retires the next day. Like, this is a very difficult defense to put together and win with. And then you have just a rotating cast of castaways playing at key positions, right? I, you have to wish that Chandler Jones... That, I think, is the biggest surprise on defense, right? That Chandler Jones is not living up to expectation as a pass rusher. Everyone else underperforming is not a surprise, right? The secondary wasn't supposed to be good. They cut one of the players that was playing more than 70% of the snaps in Jonathan Abram because he wasn't playing well enough. And you have an off-ball linebacker, again, this rotation of talent because you can't get players to stick on the team and stay healthy. So this defense was supposed to be bad and is probably as bad as people expected. It's the offense, and specifically the offense in these high-leverage situations, that's just not living up the billing. That's how you lose one-score games. You lose one-score games because you're not finishing in the red zone. You're not extending drives on uh, third and short and fourth and short. That's the issue. That's the bigger issue, in my opinion. All right, Austin, you mentioned high-leverage situations, and on the NFL Ringer podcast today, you, you talked about your Raider fan roots, how the last jersey you bought was a Derek Carr jersey. When it gets to those high-leverage situations, what from Derek Carr are you not seeing enough? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders fan had season tickets with my dad for 10 years. I said I'd never buy a jersey until we had a good player. I was there for Jamarcus Russell, Andrew Walter, Aaron Brooks, Lamont Jordan. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. Randy Moss. I've been tempted. I've been tempted. I, I, I almost got a Darius Moore jersey after that game. Jacoby Ford against Kansas <laughs> City. Nice. I've been tempted. But I, I decided against it until Derek Carr, that 2016 season, where he broke his leg for Christmas. I was yep. like, I'm getting a Derek Carr jersey. And then here we are. I haven't bought a jersey since. But in these high-leverage situations, I think it's a combination of not trusting the offense, not, not, having, no, no, not having comfortability within the offense. What He's on his, what, fourth, fifth, sixth offensive coordinator, six different play callers since he entered the league. Mm-hmm. And it's also McDaniels not scheming people open, right? How many times have we seen a short yarded situation where it's just the, the, the Raiders are either stretching it too far outside or, or have nothing up in the middle? Like, there's a lot of times where the play calling is not giving Derek Carr or even the offensive line an opportunity. Some of that could be skill, you know, some of that could be personnel. I know they haven't had Darren Waller. I know Hunter Renfro has been hurt, but the offense is still too talented with Carr, with Adams to see this much inefficiency. Could Carr play better? Absolutely. His pocket presence hasn't been good since 2016. He's still struggling under pressure. He's still so much better in clean, ideal situations than he is in pressured situations where he's scrambling. That's always been a fault, but you can still win with that. He's just not getting enough clean pockets to do so and enough support from the offensive play calling to actually win in those situations consistently. It's a copycat league, but when it comes to down in the red zone, what are other teams around the league that are successful? What type of plays or concepts are they running that are more successful in the red zone? Well, it starts with being multiple as a play caller. You have to be able to have success in different personnel groupings. And the Las Vegas Raiders essentially live out of 11 personnel and, and, and try and win in 11 personnel pretty consistently. The other piece of this is having more positionless players that you can count on in those situations, right? You have 
with the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the best short, short yardage teams in the NFL. They have so many different weapons, so many different ways they could beat you in those situations. Jalen Hurts obviously being one of them. You have a, a really good backfield in Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, they have A.J. Brown, they have Dallas Goddard. They have a lot of different players that they can beat you with, whereas Raiders is such a polarization of who's going to beat you, right? Is it Josh Jacobs of the gun or is it Devontae Adams on the outside? You can't consistently look at Matt Collins as your go-to target in these high-leverage situations. It's just like we saw in the Bengals game last year. I was at that playoff game in Cincinnati. Yeah. If you're if you're in, if you're third and long and you have to go to Zay Jones to win the game, it's just not going to work. Like you have to have the personnel beyond just a Devontae Adams or just a Josh Jacobs to get it done. And I, I think that that's another component of this as well, right? They they did improve the offense. They did add Devontae Adams. But did they improve it enough to win in these key areas, especially with a new play caller, right? Sometimes it's not all just Josh McDaniels not having it as a play caller like a Mike McDaniel or Sean McVay and these other offensive play callers that are having success. It's also just a comfortability in the offense. You can see clearly Derek Carr is not comfortable in this offense, not confident in this offense. Whether it's good or bad, that friction, that newness is affecting this team. No, it really is. Again, Austin Gale is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And, you know, going back to Derek and his whole career, every time he's got a new coach, new play caller, you'll see that he has a low year, and then it takes him, you know, a little bit before he really starts to build that up. And that looks like some of the issues that's going on right now. So offensively, Austin, what would you, if you could pick just one either position or person, you know, not necessarily a name on a person, but just like a, a certain position that this offense needs to provide a little bit more juice, what would you think it is? I think it's wide receiver or tight end, right? It's a second pass catcher that they can lean on. Not having Hunter Renfro has really hurt this offense in high-leverage situations. Not having Darren Waller has really hurt this offense in high-leverage situations. I think having that second guy that isn't Foster Moreau or isn't Jacob Johnson, the fullback out of the backfield, like, I, I think they also miss Alex Engel. I mean, yeah. Alex Engel is having so much success in Miami. There's a reason Mike McDaniel targeted him in an offense that uses a lot of fullback, halfback, Stuff or personnel groupings. I think losing him is another piece of this as well. Jacob Johnson isn't that guy for what he, they had last season. So Devontae Adams is the upgrade, a clear upgrade over the number one receivers they had last year. But not having Darren Waller and not having Hunter Renfro in as many games as they've had, I think it's put a bind on if they double or bracket Adams, what is our next target? Is it that Collins in a jump ball situation? Oftentimes it has been, and that just hasn't worked out. No, and look, Mac Hollins has looked like he's been off on some routes as of late. Looks like Carr's been having to bark to him to tell him where to go or on a pass that's incomplete. You know, it's like, hey, you were supposed to run in. or It, it looks like something's off, like you said. Again, Austin Gale is our guest here. So eight games left for this season, and it's obviously evaluation season. If you are one of the scouts, if you're one of those cats in the front office, what are you looking for as far as evaluation the rest of the way this season? You have to see... Derek Carr, and I'm looking at the owner, Mark Davis. Mark Davis has to see Derek Carr improve from a confidence standpoint within this offense, at least show more command of the offense. There are too many plays where there is barking at different players. And whether that's effort concerns that Adams and Carr are calling out or execution concerns that more of McDaniels is calling out, that has to be solved. Like You yeah. cannot go over the last eight games of the season and see similar just dysfunction right, and friction. Go back to that Saints game. Yeah. You can't have that at the midway point of the season where you don't cross the 50-yard line until Derek Carr has to sit the pine because the game's already out of your hands. Like that, that's, a, that's a reflection of everyone involved. That's Derek Carr, that's Devontae Adams, that's Josh McDaniels, that's the offensive line, that's everybody. To have that at the halfway point of the season shows no confidence in the play caller, shows no confidence in the, in, in the players, right? And Devontae Adams, I think, rightly called out buy-in. 
How much buy-in do you think this offense has seeing how much little success they've had and defensively how many times they've been let down? And you saw a big paper of the athletic report. They're having longer meetings at this point in the season, longer practices. You have team officials scouring their social media. People are asking why Blake Martinez retired after leading the team in tackles. Probably didn't want to play there anymore, right? I mean, you have these different concerns in, in, in Las Vegas. That culture starts to eat scheme and philosophy, and philosophy and scheme isn't hitting because the culture, like all of that stuff, it just feels like the locker room is lost. And at that point, when you already weren't playing well and the results haven't been good, I think it's just going to ultimately cannibalize itself. All right, we got a text from the, uh, from the 816, and he says, ask him if he would let Derek Carr go at the end of the season. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I think... You got his jersey. You got his I, jersey, I, I, Austin. So, if I, so here's the problem. Here's the problem. If I'm Mark Davis, and I'm one of the more cash-strapped owners in the league, still paying the contract settlement with John Gruden, still probably paying some of the contract settlement with Mike Mayock, and know that I can't move on from Josh McDaniels, and I can't move on from Dave Ziegler, just purely from a financial standpoint. There's been reports that came out today that confirmed that assumption from me. I, they're saying that Mark Davis isn't willing to move on from McDaniels and Ziegler because he doesn't want to pay the buyouts of those contracts. You almost have to let Ziegler and McDaniels have what they want, right? You're, 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 Mark Davis has put his hands behind the back, his back and saying, I can't pay a different coach. I can't pay a different GM. So you guys have the keys. Do what you want. If that's losing Derek Carr, that's you know, trading him and Devontae Adams at a package deal, do whatever you want because I can't do anything about it. If Mark Davis was a richer owner and in a better position to move on from the biggest ailment of the team, it's obvious that it's McDaniels. It's obvious that it's the Ziegler combo. Dave Ziegler brought in Chandler Jones, Jerron Harmon, um, Brandon Bolden, Bilal Nichols, you have Anthony Averitt, Rocky Steen, all players that have not played well, objectively. That is the issue. Ziegler and McDaniels are the issue, but Mark Davis is too cash-strapped to make that decision, which what I think ultimately happens now is a McDaniels-Ziegler-led rebuild leads to a castration of this roster. Waller probably on his way out. Maybe, maybe Carr on his way out. And if Carr's leaving, we all know why Devontae Adams came to Vegas. It's to play with Derek Carr. It's, it's Adams on his way out. I think a lot could go wrong if Mark Davis, by all reports, is unable to move on from McDaniels and Ziegler and therefore has to let them cook with this roster and potentially move on from some star players. It ought to be interesting. I don't, I don't think there's too many owners in the league that would want to pay too many different staffs. I've said that for a while when it comes to, you know, paying a, a coach to, to go, go another direction, right? I mean, I don't think too many owners want to, regardless if they got the money or not. It's just one of those situations. Who wants to spend it? So totally understand what you're saying there. Austin, what do you got coming out on the ringer, man? What should we be on the lookout for that our Raider fans should look out for? Always on the podcast here at the Ringer, the Ringer NFL show every Tuesday, the Ringer Gambling Show on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Also, I write the power rankings every single week. When you lose to a Colts team as a five, six and a half point dog or favorite at home that just hired a coach off the street out of ESPN's Get Up, I'm sorry, you got to go to the depths of the NFL. That's, that's the 31st ranked team. They're picking second in the draft right now. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Right. No, I, I, I really never thought that we'd be talking about them uh, in that number two hole right now uh, in the mid-November, but that's where we are right now. Well, Austin, thanks so much for your time, brother. Appreciate you, man. Great stuff on the podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. We'll be catching up soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you, my man. There he goes. Austin Gale uh, giving you his details, his thoughts, uh, everything that he brought on the on the podcast today on The Ringer, uh, talking about why he has the, the Raiders ranked at 31st. And, you know, going back to, to you know, paying an, another coaching staff, and, and I've said that for a long time, that I don't think – there's certain owners that are just, you know, whatever, but I, they'll just throw money at whoever. I don't think, for the most part, 
really any organization wants to pay multiple coaching staffs. And I also, as I've said before, it's not a healthy practice to move on from coach one year after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. It's just not, it's just not healthy. And the Raiders uh, historically have done it way too often. And regardless if you can do it, it's not always smart to do it. 4.16 is the time. When we come back, we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He met with us today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And then we got Adam Hill at 4.30. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 4.20 is the time. Coming up at 4.30, Adam Hill from the RJ, also from our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. will join the show, talk all things silver and black, but also talk a little XFL as he was at the, the draft for the XFL today. DeMond was there. Rod Woodson was there. The Rock apparently was there. All kind of good stuff going on at that event. So we'll talk to Adam Hill about that coming up at 4.30. I did want you to hear a few sounds from head coach Josh McDaniels from his uh, his uh, media session that he had earlier today. And I was going to get into some Denver sounds, but we'll skip that. We'll get to the Denver sounds uh, tomorrow as we continue to prepare for the Raiders' next opponent, which is the Denver Broncos in Denver. But let's go to the first soundbite, Damon, about Mark Davis, the support, the long-term vision that uh, the staff has for you know, the Raiders, because, again, that's what it's been. It's been a lack of long-term success. They've had the short success, but not the long-term. So here's Josh McDaniels talking about Mark Davis's support in their long-term vision. Yeah, look, I don't think anybody's happy with the results of the games. I think that's, you know, that, that that's always been clear that we, we all want to do better. Um, I think that, <clears throat> you know, I appreciate Mark's support. I've always appreciated it. I've said that a number of times that, um, you know, we all we're all here because of him, and we all want to do right by him. And so, um, I think that you know we knew when we came here that this is a long, longer term you know view of how do we get this thing to repeat, you know, and and that hasn't happened here in a little while. And um, you know, and this again, the immediate results that we've gotten so far, they they aren't they aren't what everybody's hoping for or wanting. Um, but I think we're, we're also trying to keep an eye on a lot of things that would go into how do you sustain it once you get it, you know. See, it's not, it's not easy to get, but once you get it, how do you sustain it? And that's not easy either. So um, the, he's been great to us, and I appreciate his support. Um, he's continued to try to give us anything we, we, we need or ask for to try to help us be successful, and um, I think I appreciate his long-term view on it too. I really do. There's head coach Josh McDaniels talking about the support that he's received from the owner, Mark Davis, uh, in the long-term vision that this, uh, this staff has. Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, Patrick Graham, they have a long-term vision. You know, when they arrived here, it felt, to me at least, like it was something, especially after making the move for Devontae Adams, that it was going to be some instant success, which – you know, I'm sure they wanted the instant success as well, but they also wanted the sustainability, which is something that, you know, we've heard from even going back to Mike Mayock and John Gruden when they, you know, tore it all down to the nuts and bolts. You know, they were trying to build something. Remember the foundational pieces? They were trying to have those foundational pieces and then grow from there and, and have guys that, uh, you know, could be quality players and cycle them out and uh, kind of do like New England does when guys become free agents. If they want to sign some, cool. If they don't, that's okay. They can let them go because they have plenty of talent behind them. Obviously, it didn't shake out that way. So here's Josh McDaniels talking about building sustained success on a franchise level, which is something that he grew accustomed to as the offensive coordinator there in New England. There's a lot of things. It's not one thing. Um, and again, I when I first got there, it wasn't there. 
you know it wasn't there and uh you know it took a little time and it took some some painstaking processes um you know and and some and a lot of effort a lot of work a lot of um creating of good habits new habits in many regards that weren't there before because you know that's when you change you know uh, when you change visions or philosophies or cultures, um, it doesn't. It just doesn't happen overnight. Where everybody just all of a sudden is the same, you know, and adopts it. And we're not all from the same background. We're not all from the same place. Um, and and we're going to try to do it the best way for us here. We're not trying to copy everything that we that we've you know that Dave and I have been a part of. We're trying to do some of it, but also we're taking a lot of input from other people and trying to figure out what works best for us. And but there's a lot of things that that go into that, you know, scouting, personnel acquisition, pr- draft process, free agency, player development, player d- acquisition, uh, you know, just all of that stuff really goes into staff building, team building. Um, there's a lot that goes into ultimately having something that you can say, man, I feel pretty good about what we have here. Everybody's on the same page, and now we're going to continue to work to to keep it sustained as we go forward. And so, um, again, I'm not patient in terms of trying to win and lose. We want to win. And, we want to win every time we step on the field. That's what we're trying to do. But I, I do have some understanding of the type of patience we may need in order to ultimately get to where we're trying to go. There's head coach Josh McDaniels talking about building something with uh, sustainability. And I'll tell you, this is the first time, Raider Nation, I've heard him talk about, you know, the future plans and the future sustainability and building something and being here and arriving here and saying, yeah, we want to win right now, but we also know that there's work that has to be done. So as I'm sitting there listening to what he has to say, and again, I'm pretty fascinated by what he's saying uh, because it's it, it just kind of provides conversation for us about, okay, well, what, you know, what moving forward you know, can this team look like or what are they trying to look like? So then finally, and this is the final soundbite, and we'll get to some Josh McDaniels on Denver Broncos tomorrow on the show. Uh, this will be the final soundbite we play is the question I asked about him or I asked to him about just at what point did you realize after you got here that, you know what, it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle than we anticipated to get where we want to be? Ultimately, we've been in a bunch of games, you know, and, and, and so I, like I said, I choose to believe that those are right there and we have an opportunity if we can just, you know, improve and, and do a few things better. And again, that's, that's coaching, playing, everything. That's not just one thing. Um, so I, I'm not ready to say anything about where we are or where we're not. You know, I'm, we're going to dive in this week and we're going to do everything we can to win this one and keep going. And, you know, at the end of the day, we'll figure out, you know, what, what, what wasn't working, what isn't working, and, and then we'll try to make some adjustments to, to help it grow going forward. But um, I don't think anybody's hitting a, a button right now and saying, hey, we're, it's not this or not that. We're going to keep going with it and keep evaluating ourselves and everybody around us and, and figure out exactly what we need to do as we move forward. So evaluation season's going on. You know, he's not ready to hit a panic button. He's not going to hit a panic button. Uh, he still believes that they could win plenty of games because, as he said right there, they have been in so many games. They just lost the, the close ones as opposed to winning them a year ago, right? And those kind of things happen. I mean, we talked to Austin Gale at the top of the hour. I mean, that was what he was saying. Like, hey, you know, they go, what, 7-2 and two last year in all the close games. That's not something that you can sustain. You can't account on, you know, always being able to come through in the clutch like that and, and win games. It's just not going to continue to happen. So, uh, you know, it's just that's what it's been. They haven't. 
They haven't been able to seal the deal. Denzel Perryman's word. They haven't been able to finish. I mean, there's there's so many different titles. There's so many different phrases that you can come up with on what they haven't been able to do, and they're going to keep on chugging along. They're going to keep on plugging away. They're going to keep on doing what they do to try to get there. So uh, he's not saying how long he feels like it's going to take. He's not saying that they're not where they, they need to be. I mean, clearly – Looking at it from a 2-7 and seven standpoint, obviously there's more work that needs to be done and they, there's more personnel that needs to be added. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that have to be done to improve this team. They have some core pieces, which are great, but they got to continue to build around it. 428 is the time. When we come back, Adam Hill from the RJ and also ESPN Las Vegas will join the show. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Think you can play the stack next week. Make this a rejoin tomorrow next week. I don't think there's any way they can lose this game. I just don't. Indianapolis improves to four, five, and one. Meanwhile, the Raiders fall to two and seven. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. Well, I said it last week. Raiders have no business losing the game. They did. Adam Hill said on this very show that he doesn't think there's any way they would lose the game. They did. Adam Hill joins us now on the phone lines from the RJ and also our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. And Adam, I know me and you were in the locker room following the game on Sunday, but I'm still kind of shocked that they lost that game to the Colts on Sunday. What are your thoughts on that? Well, impressive work by DeMond. I never actually said that, and he made that, you know, piece together word <laughs> that I said some other time. Not me, not me getting fooled and thinking that the Raiders couldn't find a way to lose this game. Good Lord. Uh,. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's been some ugly locker rooms this year. That, that was the worst. It was. It was as bad in the locker room as it should be. Like right. that was. That was embarrassing. That's not a good loss. It's terrible. And I think you saw the residual effects of that after the game. It was not a fun place to be. Not a fun place to do our job. I know one player in particular who I will not name um, kind of got on us a little bit about you know you come in here and ask us these questions after the games. Like yeah, man. It's our job, just like it's your job to go out and play the games. Like we want to get the answers from you, and one I know one, you know, and he he was cool afterwards. Right, I know he was kind of emotional, and uh, you were around for that. I, yep. still, I still don't think we got an answer to the question he asked you, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> it was just it was weird, man. And you get the frustration, you get the anger, and and it should be there. Like that's how you should respond after a loss like that. Yeah, no, you really should. And, yeah, that, that was funny, the little interaction that we had in a weird kind of way. And, hey, you know, we're, we're in there doing our job just like their job is, you know, to catch the ball when you have to do that. Again, Adam Hill is our uh, our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So moving forward. Uh, Adam, by the way, hold on, hold on. A player that we didn't even ask questions to. Right. <laughs> exactly. What, what, what was your problem? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it is, it, again, it is what it is. Isn't that what they say? It is what it is. So uh, we just <laughs> roll with that. But, I mean, moving forward now, I mean, they've got eight games. It's evaluation season. We heard from head coach Josh McDaniels today. He actually kind of gave us an idea about the, the long-term plan and all, and all that, which is fine. It's probably the first time he's really said anything about that. Uh, who do you think is out there really, you know, I guess battling for jobs? I mean, we saw some healthy scratches on Sunday. Who, who, who do you think is out there competing right now? I mean, let's see, everyone but Crosby and Adams? Right. I mean, is it, it's fair to say, I would think. Oh, well, Nate Hobbs? Right. He's um, supposed to be coming back, yeah. Yeah, he should be back uh, this week. I would say that's that's my list. I I'm try- well, okay. So guys that they drafted this year are probably pretty safe too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much my list of who's safe. Like 
who has a spot on the roster for next year, that's about it. Um, everybody else is kind of playing for their futures, whether it's here or somewhere else. And I think on a lot of guys, they've kind of made up their mind already on their future and whether or not they're going to be here. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe they can change their mind a little bit down the stretch and move some pieces around. But I, I think that they've seen a lot of where these guys are, what they, what they can be and, and how well they fit the system and whether they want to have them back uh, in the future. And, um, you know, down the stretch, I think one of the things you're looking for is who stays you know who stays focused who stays the course who stays you know in you know in the concepts and who keeps fighting and who's who's passionate and and you know cares every week and and you know those kind of things i think are in the way a lot uh as well as you know talent and ability to fit the system and all that but um yeah i think character is going to play a lot into these last couple weeks in terms of who wants to be here and who do they want to have stay around for next year Devontae Adams, after the game, he mentioned about how Sunday is supposed to be the most fun day of the week when it comes to playing in the NFL, and it's just not that for this Raider team. They're going to be playing the Denver Broncos, and they can at least say they beat them before. So I know I know that that funness of football isn't going to come back with one win, but do you think some of those issues could be fixed if they go on a little bit of a run to finish out the season? Did you just ask me about funness? Yes, I'm asking you about fun. These players having fun. Well, you mentioned like how oh, these the guys that they know that they aren't going to be here next year. A couple of wins, I mean, might put a smile on some faces. No, I was. I, I get the question. I'm, I'm referring to the actual use of the word funness. <laughs> it's a real word. Look it up. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. I, even if it's a real word, I don't think it was used properly in that context. But uh, yeah, it, look. Okay, English it, major. I know. Uh, <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't. <sighs> I think you have to find ways to continue having fun, but it, it shouldn't be fun. I, I almost, like, I, I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about just asking Devontae, you know, because he had already said, you know, Sunday's the least fun day. And I was going to say, is there a way to, to have fun in a season like this? And, and I didn't ask him that, not because of any other reason except for, like, it, it's a really weird spot because you should try to find a way to have fun. Like, it's your job. And, and I'll say, you know, when, with with my job and with your job, even on a bad day, like you should try to find ways to have fun at your job. Like even if things are going awful, you know, make it so that it's at least bearable to be in the workplace. And so, I, I think when you ask a question like that to to those guys of like, are you having fun? Like they should find ways to have fun, but we also understand that they can't say that. Like they can't say out loud, like yeah, I'm finding little bits and pieces of fun and enjoyment and. Um, and, and, and excitement because, you know, fans are not going to be happy with that. But I'm, I'm okay with trying to, even though the season is miserable and losing is miserable and everything looks like it sucks and the locker room is not a fun place to be because we're in there every day and we see it. Like, you've got to try to find little bits and pieces here of having fun and you've got to find little, little ways to enjoy your, the, the individual successes. You know, there are players that are having good seasons. Uh, even though the the team isn't having a good year, so find a way to enjoy your individual success. Find a way to enjoy, you know, work every day, even if the overall mood isn't fun, and even if the losing sucks, and the fans are angry, and and should be like you still have to find little bits and pieces. So I I hope that they are finding, you know, enjoyment or ways to have fun. But I know they also can't express that because it would make people so mad. Right, you're right about that. It makes, again. it makes people it makes people mad when an owner who's not the greatest with his words says they were like fantastic job right. when clearly that's not what he means. Right, but like you get the you get and I look I did it too. I made fun of the the quote, but um, like you know, you, people people are not in the mood to find joy in what's going on with the Raiders this year.
No, not at all. Adam Hill is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. I'm glad you mentioned the owner and him saying fantastic. And, you know, we had Ed Graney on right after he said it. And, of course, he didn't mean fantastic. Like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's lovely. <laughs> Two and seven is fantastic. Obviously, he didn't mean it like that. But he's talking long term. He's talking about McDaniels and Ziegler and their plans moving forward and what, you know, w- w- the way they're trying to build this thing, not for one year success like the Raiders had in 2016 or they even had last year in 2021 when they made the playoffs, but sustainability for the long haul I mean Adam to me and and you're very realistic as well to me it just doesn't make sense to keep trying to recycle or replace and recycle and replace coach after coach after coach year after year after year you'll never get anywhere in my opinion what are your thoughts uh yeah I mean I would agree now I think there's some things that you'd be able to see and I'm not saying that's the case with this team I think there's sometimes where you can see like you know Urban Meyer like right. That was not. That was right. not the right sure. direction. Yeah. Uh, and you gotta you gotta cut your you cut your bait before you know it gets too late. So uh, I just use a fishing term, and I've never been fishing in my life. By the way, I think that's how you use <laughs> cut your bait. Um, I yeah. Cut your I, losses. I, I, cut your losses. <laughs> cut you your also, bait. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, so I look. I'm of the opinion, and I you know I think we talked about this last week, but. I thought they should tear it down before this season started. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think the, the the structure, the foundation was there to try to to try to push your chips all in and say, "Hey, we're close enough to make just a couple of big moves and add to this roster and make a big run." Like I didn't think that the the system was there, the structure was there for it. They did, right? And so that to me that that was their mistake. But you would hope at some point, you know, th- down the stretch, and they're kind of acknowledging it a little bit and saying, "Hey, look, we we've got a." We've got to look at our future. We've got to play for the future. We've got to try to, to build a little bit in that direction. Like, don't try to add one or two more free agents at the end of this year thinking you're close because you're not really close. So they're a year behind where they should have been in my mind. Uh, but at least if they're recognizing it now, it's, it's not too far off. And, look, if, if you have another, you know, now you can say next year, well, now we really are rebuilding. So now we shouldn't have that great of a record. That, that's possible. But I think you'll be able to tell, say, at the end of two years, if – if you think that the direction you're going in is eventually going to get you to where you are, where you need to be. And, you know, I know that, look, that's a long-term approach and, and fans don't have that. I know uh, Josh McDaniel said yesterday, you know, we are, excuse me, Monday, I guess now, like, you know, we understand that we don't have five years right. to do this job. Like you're not going to get five years if, if you don't do it before then. So mm-hmm. they understand there's a timeline, but I think you can also tell if a direction is going to, going to end up going in the right way uh, at, at some point. And so I, I think they'll be able to figure that out. And uh, I, I agree with you. You can't just have a new coach every single year. But at some point, you do have to recognize when it's not going to go the right direction. Right. No, I, I agree with that 100%. So final question I'll ask you about the Raiders. Then we want to turn our attention to the XFL. And again, we're talking to Adam Hill. When Raider Nation hits us up and says, yeah, but Q, they were a playoff team a year ago. They won 10 games. They were a playoff team. Oh. They shouldn't be in this situation. What do you say? Well, follow different people. Listen to different people. Uh, that was my entire offseason, Q, and you know that. Uh, I was trying to tell people it was fool's gold. They weren't a good team. They found some miracle ways to win, mostly against backup quarterbacks, like a historic run of playing against backup quarterbacks. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't what it appeared to be. And I think those people that would say that are probably also people that don't believe in analytics, don't believe in math, don't believe in underlying numbers and data and those sorts of things. Like, you do have to realize that at, at some point. Like, at some point, look a little deeper at things. And if you did, I think last year, you would have seen that it wasn't there. And by the way, that's my biggest problem right now with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Like, I think they've done 
I actually think they've done a decent job of, of building to the future, but they didn't say that that's what, that's what they're doing. I think their biggest mistake was coming in and thinking that they had a playoff team. They, they, they didn't. Yes, the team was in the playoffs, but that wasn't a playoff team, and they, they played it like they had one. I, uh, you know, it's so funny, Adam, that you absolutely described me to a T. You, you, you mentioned the, the, you know, anyone uh, who saw that team go to the playoffs, that was fool's gold. I was the fool. I, uh, I took the fool's gold. And when you said, you, you know, if you thought that that was a playoff team, you don't believe in analytics. I don't. I mean, every, you know, you don't do math. I don't. You know, I mean, everything you described was me. It's like DeMond looked at me in the, in the screen here and was like, yeah, it's all you, brother. That's all you. So I, I take that, though. I own that because that is me. And I, I do need to evolve and evolve into the analytics world because there are a lot of things that will tell you. It's right there in front of you. So uh, well, I thought also, this that was is, a great this breakdown. Is, I've, been, I've had a couple of different examples that I've tried to use of people with, with what analytics are and what they should be. Like, you run, you know, you, you're you the big, the grand poobah of this broadcast. You're in charge of the entire building, right? Everybody knows that. Uh, if, if I were to come to tell you, hey, look, this department is making a ton of money and you don't have enough resources in it. This other department, you have a ton of resources that's making you no money. Wouldn't you just put more resources into the one that's making you more money? Yeah, no, that's true. That, that's analytics. <laughs> Why do people believe in analytics for business and not for sports? It's the same thing. That's a great. I heard you say that the other day on Cofield and Company, and I was like, "Man, he's ta- he's screaming at me, and he doesn't even know it." <laughs> but I can admit it. At least I can admit it. That's, That's half the battle. That's Knowing true. that you have a problem is half the battle. Go ahead, Demond. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Adam. You and I were both at the UFC Apex. I got there a little bit later than you. Shocking. Did you actually get to go one on one with the great one, Dwayne the Rock Johnson? And I'm going to drop so many rock catch phrases for this portion of the interview. Wait, oh, I, I forgot to send you the photo. Yeah, yeah, me and DJ were hanging out. It was a good time. Uh, it was, you know, a nice day. I, I didn't get the big deal. I mean, look, his character in Ballers is very, very good. I, I didn't know that he did anything else outside of that, but apparently now he's running a football league, which is cool. Okay, so speaking of this football league, the draft was today. What did you think about the not so much the players that were actually drafted, but how well it was run? Or do you think that because Q and I talked about it earlier, these these new leagues, these startup leagues that they start off hot. But what do you think the XFL has the potential to grow? You Rudy Poo. Well, me and me and DJ were talking about this tomorrow. Um, nothing. No, no, keep yeah. going. I'm not, I'm not going to let you finish. I'm laughing at you. No, you and DJ. Okay, you and DJ were talking. Keep going. Yeah, me and DJ, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson, I, I, you know, that's, that's the, the gentleman I'm talking about. Uh, we were in a conversation about this, and, and the fact that they, they understand where other leagues have gone wrong, that, uh, that DJ understands his celebrity is also going to carry a lot of weight um, for whatever, you know, for people that know who he is. It's just, to me, he's just my, my guy DJ. I don't really know that he's a celebrity. Uh, but, he, you know, he understands that that, that profile is going to carry a lot, that he has a huge platform to push this, and also that they have, you know, what they believe are very smart people running an organization. They've also got a three-year deal with ESPN, which is massive because it's going to get you on SportsCenter. It's going to get you on the bottom line. It's going to get people to know when your games are. So uh, a lot of those things are really working in their favor. And they've, of course, got some, some recognizable names. You know, I know uh, I just, just got off the phone with my other good friend, Martavis Bryant, uh, who was a draft pick of the, uh, of the Vegas Vipers, former Raider. The White Tiger. Uh, so, yeah, so they've got some. You know, he's doing well. We just had a conversation. Uh, so <laughs> I'm just trying to really, really get them on now. But, no, he, uh, uh, he being DJ, I think, is, is putting some really good things in place. And I know a lot of people in Vegas are freaking out about where they're going to play. Uh, I have a pretty good insight into where that's going to be, and I think it's going to be really, really cool. All nice. right, so uh, Adam Hill here. God, doesn't want to break the story for us. Also, no. 
the Vegas Vipers, head coach Rod Woodson, you mentioned one draft pick that they had. What else could you smell that they were cooking in oh, that draft geez. today? Oh, my gosh. Wait, what is your name again? It doesn't no, matter. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm leaving the show. You guys can finish it off today. Jeez. It's good. It's good. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what you're talking about. No, uh, Rod, <laughs> look, and you asked about how, the, how it was run. I mean, look, it was – it's a work in progress. Like they're figuring things out, right? I think it was very cool. It was in Vegas. They had a cool venue for it. Um, the players got picked, and it was you know the coaches that were there uh, were some you know very recognizable names around the football world. And going through, and as they're making selections, you're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. Like a lot of recognizable names that uh, people will know. And um, I think that they did they did a draft based on football, not on spectacle, right? They weren't. They didn't really care about fireworks or big stages. It was like, hey, let's get these teams selected and let's get. Uh, some coaches that really want to put together a team of players that they can work with. So um, from that standpoint, I think it went really, really, really well. All right, so Vegas, The Rock. Do you have a picture? That's what I really got to ask. Did you get a picture with The Rock? Well, I don't I don't get I, I took photos of me talking, of, of, of DJ while we were talking. It wasn't, I wasn't in the photo. I'm very professional. Because I don't think it happened. Do you want me to send you a photo right now? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We're on the you air. guys flexing on the airways. You guys are hilarious. You guys are too much. You guys are too. Let me ask you this, Adam. Before we let you go, because you talked about uh, your your good friend DJ and his celebrity. Have you seen that movie Black Adam? No, he doesn't okay. watch superhero movies. Don't, don't. Your 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 good friend DJ and that whole whatever you want to call it was awful. Straight up. Uh, he could be yeah. a friend of a show, but not if you keep slandering him. He knows it was bad. He collected I, money. I would imagine that the movie wasn't very good, but DJ had a great performance. That's what I would imagine. Thank well, you, Adam. Yeah, that was wrong, too, but it's okay. Did, that, did, everything on, was awful. What would you say? Did you get a text? Oh, man. All right, hold on. This is going to be uh, live <laughs> on air. Oh, did geez. I get a text? No, I did not get a text. Oh, it's going through, probably. The reception's not always great out here. Yeah, that's what happens when you have an Android. Oh, wow. Now we're slandering phones on the air. All right. Well, Adam Hill, great stuff as always, my man. Thanks for being on top of the XFL and the Raiders. What do you got coming out on the RJ that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I'm going to write a story about uh, my my good friend DJ uh, this weekend and what he's doing here with the XFL. And uh, really, really fun profile on my favorite player to talk to in the Raiders locker room, AJ Cole, coming up on Sunday as well. There you go, A.J. Cole. Heidi Fang, asked, uh, she asked Josh McDaniels earlier about A.J. Cole. I thought she asked about A.J. Cole on accident. I thought she meant to ask about Daniel Carlson, but uh, there well, you go. Had a really good I, a- answer on I, A.J. I was at the XFL draft, so I texted our good friend Heidi to ask a question about A.J. Cole. For me. Uh, I, will, I will give you one spoiler. He hates when people put dots in his name between the or after the A and the J. No dots, just A.J. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what's up, that's what's up. It was a great answer, though, from uh, from Josh McDaniels, and I, and I thought, because she said, when she asked the question, she said about him being automatic, so when I think automatic, I think a kicker, and I was like, did you mean Daniel Carlson? But then he don't, went into a great answer about A.J. Cole, and it was fantastic, so it worked out great. Don't jinx it. Don't. Nobody's supposed to talk about it. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> it's like a no-hitter. It's like a no-hitter. Yeah. Don't talk about it. I'm just saying. I, hey, I'm it's right the there one, with you. The one positive thing the Raiders have going, the record could come. That's right. That's right. You're right yeah. about that. Let's not talk about it. All right. Well, Adam, thanks so much, my man. I appreciate you, brother. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Enjoy your text tomorrow. <laughs> there he goes. Adam Hill from the RJ. You guys are too much, man. I'm done with you guys. I'm done with both of you cats, man. You guys.
I'm, gonna, I'm, about to to walk, I'm about to walk away from the show and just let you guys wrap it up. He op- The elevator's open at Allegiant Stadium on Friday, UNLV, Fresno State. And this guy chest bumps me while I'm talking up and enlightening the youth that were there for KUNV. Adam Hill chest bumped you? Yeah, not, not like a like a. I'm about to say, did you, did you fall? No, I didn't, but it was, you know, because I stood my ground. Oh, you maintained your balance. You, yeah. You were, you, were, you were rooted. Yeah, exactly. But he thought he was going to try to punk me. Oh, hey, man. I, look, if you had made me bet money on if he chest bumped you and you were going to stay standing, I would have lost that money because I sure would have bet on him knocking you over. Adam Hill, I mean, he's, you know, he, 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 can, he can pack a punch, man. He can pack a punch. He's, and he's been playing that uh, virtual video game, too, where you're, you're fighting all the time. So I could see him. He might have uh, treated you like the video game that he'd be fight, fighting on all the time. I think he's got that <laughs> MetaQuest 2 or MetaQuest. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I'm not playing virtual video games. All right. All right, Mr. Tough Guy. 451's the time. Random Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. A couple quick texts to get to as we close out the show. Trey and KC hits us up. 69187, keyword R&R. Y'all didn't report that. Not sure what you mean. What did we not report? Uh, but... Y'all didn't report that was the was the text from Trey. All day Raider AQ, there's no fun in being everyone's get right game. And I hope Russell Wilson doesn't get right against us this Sunday. I'm just saying. And you're right about that. That's the one thing that you don't want to be, right? And we've talked about it multiple times throughout the course of the season. Oh, this team is a get right team. This team is a get right team. We looked at Houston as, oh, that's a get right team. And they were. But now all of a sudden, you know, the Jaguars get a dub. Well, the Saints. Let's go back to the Saints. The Saints get a dub in dominating fashion over the Raiders. The Jaguars get a win uh, over the Raiders. You know, the Raiders lose to the Colts. You know, Jeff Saturday gets his first win. You don't want to be a get-right team. That's a great point all day, Raider A. Thanks for that. Got a text from the 707. Derek Carr didn't just start being good at fourth-quarter comebacks last season. In fact, this season is the first time he hasn't had success with them, and it's the main difference between last season being a playoff team and this season being 2-7. and seven. And you're, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're right. And I, I say it all the time that even last year, remember how confident I was that every time he got the ball late, I felt like they were going to win the game. This year, I haven't felt that same way. I just don't feel like that they're clicking, right? And you know, even even Adam Hill when he said that he didn't think that the the Raiders were a playoff team last season, I, I did. I did. I thought that they were a playoff team. Uh, I realized that they found ways to win games and have all those walk-offs, and you can't count on those. But I just kind of thought that, hey, man, this is a team that they fight till the end. They find ways to get it done. So, you know, that was on me. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what Adam Hill was saying about oh, the whole analytics and everything. I mean, DeMond, did he not describe me to a T when he, when he described all that? Oh, perfectly you. Yeah. And that's, and that's what the thing is. Like, you know, whenever we get hit with, like, y'all didn't do this, y'all didn't do that, I own it all. I own it all. Anytime I make a mistake, I own it. I said it just like I told Adam Hill. I thought this team was going to win 10 games this year. I thought they were going to win 11 games to be a playoff team. I was wrong. I have no problem admitting it. Appreciate all the feedback on the text line and on the phone lines. Coming up next, well, we're going to have some more uh, some more greatness here. I'm just going to leave it at that. More greatness here. DeMond Cotton's going to hold it down in the studio as uh, Coach Kruger. You're going to hear from him here on, uh, I believe that's what we're doing next, right? That's what we're doing? Yep, yep. The All right, Coach Kruger, Basketball Coaches Show is coming up next. That's what I thought. It's Red Nation Radio 920. This is JT for Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Man, we got a lot 